Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 356 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be back in your earbuds again this week. And thank you for everyone leaving ratings and reviews. I know I've been asking a lot. Oh, I always ask a lot, but it really does make a difference. If it didn't make a difference, don't worry, I wouldn't bother asking. (laughs) Uh, But it really does help. So wherever you listen to this podcast, tapping some stars, leaving a review, which takes another, you know, 30, 60 seconds of your time, depending on how fast you can get those thumbs moving. It really, really helps a lot. And I really appreciate it. The more downloads and subscribers and reviews and ratings that a podcast has, all of that goes into the algorithm that tells the podcast gods and goddesses that people like this show, and that they should push it out into searches or recommendations for other listeners. So I would really appreciate your support in that. And with that, let's move on. So this is the end of April, April 27th, I believe when I am releasing this episode. And I've been talking a lot about how I'm having a baby in June. So if this is the first episode ever, or the first episode you listen to in a while, surprise, I'm having a baby. in mid-June. And I'm still taking up client or I'm still taking clients until pretty much the very end. And I talk about it a lot in earlier episodes. I won't go too much into it right now, but essentially I learned this in 2020 when I had my first child, and that there's actually a lot of benefit to, you know, I'll obviously go on maternity leave and so we'll have a pause you know, between whenever, however many sessions we get through before I have the baby and then after my maternity leave in the fall. And there's actually a lot of benefit to that. One is just simply the financial benefit. So we pause all payments. So you'll get some breathing room there to kind of restock up the coffers, so to speak. Or if you want to make your monthly payment smaller, 
we can just have more payments. But because there's that pause, you know, between when we start and then when we ultimately end at some point in the fall, that's over several, several months. And so we could really extend some of those payments out to six, seven, even eight, just depending on the timing. Um, and that can make the payments under potentially 500, depending on which payment plan you want to do. Um, and so that makes it way more affordable. And it's not really something I can do during, you know, regular business as usual time because the program is, you know, really four or five months, depending on our exact timing. And so five months is really the longest I can extend those payments for. Um, The other benefit is that you get the benefit of time. So my coaching program with my clients is fairly intensive. You know, we meet every other week for again, about four months. And, you know, I'm giving you tools and assignments. Sometimes it's going to be more inner work focused based on whatever the core wounds are that are coming up. Some of it's going to be based on like, okay, you're going on a date. What are we doing here? What are you going to say? What are the boundaries? Da, 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 right? And sometimes you just need time for some of these things to play out. And you might surprise yourself and you might be like, oh, wow, I had a much easier time setting that boundary than I thought I would. And then there might be something else that comes up where like, wow, I had a really hard time with that. And so because we're going to take that pause while I'm on my maternity leave, that will give you an opportunity to, again, see how things play out. And then when we come back in the fall, you can say, okay, Veronica, this actually was great for me. So we, we don't need to talk about this, but this was really hard, or this is where I'm struggling, or this is where I can't release that block or that feeling or whatever. And so then we can really zero in on some things that are going on for you. Um, I work with clients in, what do you call it, in my Love Coach on Demand, which is like, this is a, for my alumni, it's a year long program. And the reason why I love coaching in that program and why my alumni clients love it is because there is that gift of time. Like it allows things to just to play out because it's some, again, sometimes you just need time. And then we can come back together, you know, you know, during our set meetings and really work on some very specific things going on. So anyways, if you are interested, veronicagrants.com forward slash coaching is the place to go. There's a quick application there, fill that out. That will forward you to my calendar, book your call on my calendar, and then we'll have our new obligations little chat about working together. And my goal for you is that you get to a place where you're a clear yes or a clear no. Um, I don't do anything pushy or salesy. There's no like sign up right now or it's going to double tomorrow. Like none of that bullshit. It's really just a, a conversation. And I do say that, you know, again, even though I am taking clients up until up until having the baby, at the same time, you know, we're at the end of April, not ever listens to this episode or the episodes like the day it comes out, plus there's time to get onto my calendar for the intro call, all that kind of stuff. So at that point, like we're really looking at like a month, month and a half, maybe before the baby comes. So time is getting a little bit more pressed if you do want to get some coaching in with me now and then have your summer of love. And then we come back in the fall. We are getting to the end of that window. Um, Otherwise, you'll have to wait until the fall if you do want to work with me and that may be fine. That might be exactly what you want to do. But if you do want some coaching now, take a pause and then start again, then um, again, that window is closing. So veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching is the place to go. Okay, so I'm going to leave that alone. And we're going to get into today's topic. So today is the fourth Thursday of the month when I'm releasing this episode. And just to remind you in the fourth episode of the month, I take some sort of news article or media piece, something that's been happening in pop culture or on the news cycle that talks, you know, that has to do with something around dating or relationships. And then I analyze it a little bit and then share what it can mean for you. So I've got two things this month. 
One, because I can't decide, or I couldn't decide which one I wanted to talk about. I have lots of feelings about both. And then also, I do kind of think that they're both smaller topics, and it will just, you know, mesh well into one episode. So first, I'm going to talk about a New York Times piece that came out, I want to say, in, let's see, I'm recording this in March, so it probably came out in February, around how 20% of couples report sleeping permanently in separate bedrooms. And my guess is that's an underestimate because people might feel shame around it and may not report sleeping in separate bedrooms as their partner. And also this specifically asks permanently sleep, like have two separate bedrooms, you know, for each for each partner. And that doesn't cover the question of like, well, do you sometimes sleep apart? And I think if that was the question, combined with do you permanently sleep apart, I think at least the percentage would be much, much higher. And I'm going to talk about that and my thoughts on it and what the article claims and what I think is actually true and, you know, things like that. And then we're going to talk about a Chelsea Handler and Tucker Carlson little spat. You, if you follow Chelsea Handler, you might have seen this or, you know, it kind of, I don't know if it went like viral, viral, but it definitely made its rounds over social media. So I imagine not too many of my listeners listen to Tucker Carlson. So I don't think you probably saw it there first. Although if you do do listen to Tucker Carlson, and you've been listening to my show for quite some time, I am quite impressed because, you know, I guess I don't have to explain it why I'm impressed, but I'm impressed. (laughs) I'll just leave it there. So let's start with the New York Times article. If you want to read the article for yourself, I linked it up in the show notes. The New York Times does have a paywall. I think you get like three, maybe five articles a month. So if you can't see it, you have to wait till next month. I'm a paid subscriber. I highly recommend it. I have like their all-encompassing thing where I get like the Wordle, not the Wordle, well, the Wordle's free, but um, their spelling bee and their cooking. And I don't know, I think it's worth it. I really like it. And I like their reporting overall. Okay, so the article claims or says that one in five couples sleep in separate bedrooms, meaning like it's permanent. They have separate rooms. There is a room for partner A and a room for partner B. And two thirds of the people who report sleeping in separate bedrooms do so every single night. Now they interview some couples in the article. Some have an arrangement where they sleep separate during the week. And then on the weekends, they have sleepovers in one of the partner's bedrooms, but there's still two very distinct spaces for each partner. And that's really what the 20% is getting at. And they had a line in the article, I didn't write it down verbatim, but basically it was like, does the space create more spice? And I'm going to share with you what my husband and I do. But at first, I want to share this, where like this, okay, I'm just gonna share. So in religious Judaism, like Orthodox Judaism, husband and wife will sleep separate when the woman is bleeding and then seven days after. And my husband and I don't practice that. I do have some friends that practice it. Even some friends that wouldn't really call themselves like super religious per se, but they still do it because they swear by it. You know, they swear that it's their secret to keeping the mystery and the fun and the passion and all that kind of stuff alive because half of the month they're not sleeping in the same room. They're not having any kind of sexual activity at all. And so after two weeks, they're like, oh my God, I miss you. I'm craving you. Right. And so then they have like sex for two weeks and it's lots of fun. And then the period comes again and then they, you know, break apart. Now, if the woman is not menstruating anymore or, 
has any irregularities, I don't know what they do. I'm not an expert in that like lifestyle choice. I just know that's a thing that many religious families do. And again, people will swear by it. In the article itself, though, so the article did not talk about that. I'm just sharing that from my own experience. But the article um, interviews a few sex therapists and marriage counselors. And the consensus, at least among the people that they interviewed, called this a mild pink flag. And I kind of see where they can sit, call it like a mild pink flag. Like that's super like, like a super, super generous interpretation. Like they're not calling it, it's a red flag. It's a step from divorce. Like they're saying eh, it's a mild pink flag. And a couple of the reasonings behind that, though, I didn't quite buy. So I'm going to run through some of that with you. One of the reasonings is that it's actually to avoid bigger problems. You know, so two couple or a couple, they decide to sleep in seven bedrooms. And they say it's because they need better sleep or their partner snores or whatever. But really, it's because they have a bunch of issues. And they're trying to avoid talking about it. And so they're just not going to share a bedroom. So they have different spaces they can go to. It's a non-confrontational way to avoid conflict, essentially. Or is it an easy way to escape just a generally unhappy relationship? So it's not that you have like specific problems, you're just unhappy, you don't really like each other. And, you know, it's like, well, I guess we're not gonna get divorced, we're just gonna sleep in separate rooms. And like, sure, <laughs> I can think of people in my own family that are, you know, have, have made this choice. And I'm like, okay, I could see where those couple or those sex therapists or marriage counselors are coming from. Sure. But I think though, I guess, I guess it's a good place to, to share like what Stevie and I do. So before we had Marshall, our toddler, we rarely slept in separate rooms. I remember back in 2018, we lived in Denver. Stevie, if, you, if you're still following, if you're following me, then you might remember Stevie had severely hurt his back. He was essentially bedridden for about six months. He had a, what do you call it? A slipped disc, whatever you call that, in his L5S1. And so he... He had a hard time walking. He couldn't even really sit up. He worked from, this is like before the days of working from home and a very generous employer allowed him to work from home, like literally laying on his bed or on the couch. He's fine now. He had surgery. He's fine. But the bed in our guest room hurt his back less than our, you know, our marital bed, whatever you would call it, our our bed in our room. And um, I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is like one step away from divorce. Like I was very panicked about it. And I don't even think he slept in there that much. I think it was just like occasional. Um, If his back was like really bad, he would sleep over there because it was again, just a little bit more comfortable for him. And then when we lived in California in 2019, I was doing a lot of Rover dog sitting. And we had this one dog, oh my God, that was just crying for his mama. And CB was really pissed because he didn't want to watch this dog. And so he went onto the couch and slept downstairs so that he could actually get some sleep because his dog was crying the whole friggin' night. And that was like the only time that year that I can recall us ever sleeping apart. Then enters Marshall. And we got really clear on who was doing wake-ups and middle-of-the-night stuff. And we both agreed that instead of both of us getting up or even alternating wake-ups, both of us would be sleep-deprived and exhausted. And we thought, that's not helping anybody. So the plan, and this is our agreement, was that I would do all wake-ups. 
you know, aside from like the first couple of weeks where it's just a total shit show and like I couldn't really go get him, Marshall, when he was crying because I was, you know, at a C-section, I was recovering. So aside from the first few weeks, but like in general, before he started sleeping through the night regularly, I did all night wake ups and it made sense because I was, I was also breastfeeding and not really pumping all that much. And then Stevie would sleep. And because he was getting a full night's sleep or mostly full night's sleep, he was in charge of everything else. So literally, he brought me coffee in bed, breakfast in bed. He did all the cleaning, all the cooking, just everything. Now, of course, that gradually shifted back to more of an equal, you know, arrangement. Once Marshall was sleeping through the night, I imagine we'll do something similar when this next baby comes. However, it'll be a little more complicated because there will be a toddler to throw, you know, a little bomb in there. But essentially, because I was getting up a lot and my sleep just went to total shit, and apparently my one of my friends who's a midwife, she wasn't my midwife, but she was a midwife. And she said that that's normal, that your sleep goes gets bad because like biology doesn't want you to sleep too deep in case the baby needs you or something. So, and also I think I just got trained to like wake up every two or three hours, you know, until again, Marshall was sleeping longer stretches. My sleep was just absolutely terrible. And CB's a snore. And so I just frankly didn't want him in there <laughs> in our room because... If I did have the opportunity to sleep, the last thing I wanted was to have someone snoring in my face. And so it started out with like me kicking him out of the room a lot in the middle of the night, but then he would get frustrated because he's like someone who, if he wakes up once in the middle of the night, it's a bad night's sleep. If I wake up once in the middle of the night, I'm like, wow, that was a great night's sleep. So for a little bit, we just decided like, until he's sleeping more and I'm sleeping more, like we're just sleeping separate. Now, we don't have the space for him to have an, his own room. Uh, so he was just sleeping on the couch, but he actually, he actually really likes sleeping on the couch. So I don't feel bad. Even when I was, I was in Miami for a week over the last summer and he slept on the couch the entire time I was there, even though he could have slept on our bed that was empty. And he slept, so I don't feel bad about him sleeping on the couch. He likes it. So anyways, so we've been sleeping. So we slept separate for a while. And now that we're in a more, I guess, like more of a new normal, I would say we spend about half the night's apart that can vary depending like if one or both of us are sick like forget about it because if I'm not sleeping well because I'm sick then like he tends to bother me more because I'm awake trying to go back to sleep so then there's more of like me nudging him to stop snoring and then if he's sick he's much more likely to snore a lot louder which will annoy me and then I won't sleep so if one or both of us sick like that's done like like we're sleeping in separate rooms um, if we've gotten consistently, one or both of us have consistently gotten bad nights of sleep, then we sleep in separate rooms. So sometimes it just works out like that's enough for us to just like have our own space. But, you know, there might be a period of time where he's actually sleeping upstairs fairly consistently. Um, but before I lived with him, with with Stevie, I had a an amazing nourishing evening routine that I left. I'd light a candle. I would journal. I would do my meditation to go to sleep. If it was like the newer full moon, I would do like a little newer full moon ritual because I like doing those kinds of rituals at night. And I had a, I've always had a pretty robust morning routine. I mean, you know, baby included, you know, things have happened. But Stevie's always had to get up really early for work and be at work really early. So I've always had, even once we lived together, like I've always had the, our home to ourself in the mornings. Um, but my evening routine just totally fell away. And so I actually like just going up into our room. It's just me. I can do what I want. I don't have to worry about waking him up if he's already asleep. 
I don't have to worry or like be annoyed if he's already snoring and I'm trying to like do my new moon meditation. And we just have some space and um, he can do his thing. I can do my thing. And it's really nice. So if we have been sleeping more consistently together in the same room and it's a newer full moon, then I'll say, hey, you know what? I'm going to take some space for me tonight. So, you know, see you tomorrow, (laughs) basically. And I think this works really well. One, because one thing that I learned with having Marshall is that you don't realize how much you need sleep until you're not getting sleep, right? And so if one or both of you are not getting sleep because they're snoring or because there's different sleep schedules or one's like a kicker or one's like whatever, it's really like everything else just falls apart, right? Your patience just wears thinner, their patience wears thinner. You're more likely to get provoked. They're more likely to get provoked. And it just doesn't, it's not helpful to anyone. And, you know, does it create a little bit more spice? You know, the does the space create the spice? Maybe, because if we have spent a lot of time apart because of just like our sleeping or like Marshall's going through a regression or we've been sick, it is really nice to be like, oh, you're here again. Like, it's just nice. And so I totally, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously that's totally anecdotal and other people are free to feel other things. That's just been my own experience. I think though, you just have to be honest with yourself, right? Like if you're sleeping in separate rooms, whether it's permanent or more just like makeshift, like someone's sleeping on the couch, like we are, you just have to be honest with yourself. Like, is it really about, you know, is it really about, you know, sleeping because of the snoring or is it to avoid bigger problems or because you don't like each other? I think that like, you know, I don't really like these kind of arguments because like, I think it doesn't give enough credit to the person. Like, I think someone who is doing their work can be honest with themselves and say, you know what, it really is about avoiding, you know, issues, or I just really don't like the person, but like, I'm not interested in getting divorced for whatever reason, or that feels really scary. And so they come up with this kind of solution. I think, you know, even like, again, people that I personally know that I won't give any indication as to how I know them that I know sleep in separate rooms. Like, I, I think if you're, if you ask them, they'd like, yeah, we just don't have that kind of relationship anymore. Like, you know, so I think people are can be grownups and have some self-awareness enough to know what the real reason, quote unquote, that, you know, they're sleeping in a separate room from their partner. So I just don't really buy the whole like, well, just people avoiding their problems. I'm like, yeah, maybe. But also sleep is really, really important. And I know you know this, like this feels like duh, but you don't, I, at least in my experience, I didn't really realize it until I wasn't getting sleep after had the baby. Now, for some of you, you might have jobs where you have to get in really early or you like, you know, you, you work like 12 hour shifts and they're like, Veronica, I know you're whatever. (laughs) I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) Um, But it's really important. And then the other argument that I think the sex therapists, or at least again, the one they interviewed said was when you sleep in the same bed, sex naturally happens, implying that when you're not sleeping in the same bed, then the sex goes away. And I don't buy this argument at all not in the least littlest bit. First of all, people prefer to have sex at different times of day. And my own opinion, or preference, but also the preference of many people I've worked with, sometimes night is like the last time people want to have sex, like when they're going to bed, because like they want to go to bed, regardless of whether or not they're sleeping in the same room or not. I find that sex app happens, a lot of sex happens a lot of other times a day. And right before you go to bed is not one of them. It feels like it's the obvious choice really the only time, at least in my life, where I've had a lot of sex before bed was when I was like new. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Really dating someone and there was like that you know, like that newness where you're like having sex all the time or whatever. Like that just is like one of the times you're having, you're having sex. Also, just because you're sleeping in the same bed with someone does not mean that like a, a magically a penis appears in your vagina. <laughs> and I'm sorry if that feels really graphic, but like, you know, sex doesn't just naturally happen, especially when you're talking about a long-term relationship that's multiple years or you've been together for a long time, especially if you have kids, you have competing priorities, you're tired things just got into a routine. Like, I, I don't think it matters where you sleep or, and where your partner sleeps as to whether or not like you're going to have a really fulfilling sex life in your marriage or in your partnership, or if it becomes a sexless relationship, which I learned in the article is defined as six or less times per year. So I think that, again, I linked the article in the show notes if you want to read it for yourself. But my own interpretation and some of this is based again, I mean, it's all anecdotal because it's not that I'm like running my own, you know, research labs or, you know, polling centers. Um, Anecdotal from my own experience, in addition to working with many clients at this point, is that whatever works for you, like is fine. Right? I've shared many times the example of my friend who actually lived in separate homes from their partner. And like, that is what saved her marriage. Otherwise, they would be divorced. They just couldn't live together. But like, they're great together. As long as they don't live together, they have sleepovers, all that kind of stuff. And that works great. And look, you could have whatever opinions you want about it, you can decide that's not for you. That's totally fine. But like, I think it could still work for somebody, right? And obviously, it it does. So I, I wouldn't let an article like this make you feel like, oh my God, we have to sleep in the same room or we're not going to have sex. And then it's just gonna be the beginning of the end. Because that's such an easy like path for your mind to go down. And sometimes sleeping apart is like the best thing, whether it is to create that distance and that spice, like my <laughs> Jewish friends that I've told, I told you about, or it's just so that you're both well rested and then you're actually excited to see each other um, the next day. And you're not like, why are you snoring? Why did you keep hitting me on the shoulder? You know, because Stevie and I definitely would have those arguments until we're like, you know what, let's forget about this shit. And let's just sleep in separate rooms if your snoring's really bad, or if I'm having really light sleep one night or whatever. Okay, anything else I want to say about this? Oh, you know, and what's, what's funny is that the New York Times recently had an article. I mean, not recently, recently, but like within the last definitely the last 12 months, but maybe like the last six months about how some partners are even like, like living separately, but like, because one person wants one kind of job and the other, or one person prefers like more city living and one person prefers more like suburban or rural living or whatever. And the article, if I recall, really hailed it as like, 
you know, modern marriages and modern relationships and all that kind of stuff. And then it's just funny that they have this article that's like, oh my God, if you sleep in some rooms or sex therapists, you're going to get divorced or whatever. And I'm just like, okay. I mean, I guess whatever. They're like touting different or showing different sides and different viewpoints, which I guess is good. That's what journalism is supposed to do. But, you know, if you ever come across articles like this, or see what other people are doing. Remember, whatever works for you is totally fine. Also, just one more thing, and then I'll move on to the next topic. I was talking about this with a couple of friends. Now, to be fair, these were friends that were also, you know, parents of toddlers. You know, we know them from Marshall's class. A lot of people actually sleep in separate rooms. They just, people don't talk about it because they feel embarrassed or they'll be judged or ashamed or whatever even though everything in their relationship might be hunky-dory, again, for all the reasons I just listed, they're sleeping apart so that they can actually get some friggin' sleep. So my guess is that a lot of this kind of stuff is happening. But again, people aren't really talking about it because of the shame, because of the embarrassment, all that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. So let's go into this Chelsea Handler. Um... Gosh, where to start? Okay, so Chelsea Handler talked about how she she had a guest spot on the on the oh shoot, what is it called? The Daily Show. Trevor Noah left at the end of 2022, and then there are rotating guests. I don't know how often, but they've been having rotating guests. I guess trying to find the new permanent host. I don't know, but anyways, Chelsea Handler was one of the hosts, and she talked about her child free lifestyle or child-free choice. And maybe, and then, you know, she's Chelsea Handler. She's a comedian. So it was a little bit vulgar. Some might find it shocking if you're more of like a traditional conservative type. And one person that this really rubbed the wrong way was Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro over on um, our friends at Fox. I'm not going to link that video to the show notes because one, I have no desire. I mean, not that like whatever traffic my site would drive to Fox. I have no desire even to send one person over there because it's all about clicks and traffic and that's what makes their money. I did post a YouTube video from Childless Millennial who um, she kind of, she like shows you the video if you want to watch it and then she pauses it and shares her reactions. I mean, her reactions aren't like super insightful because it's like her, she's reacting to it the first time she's watching it. So that's just a way if you do want to watch the video without giving him Tucker Carlson more clicks or, you know, streams or whatever. um, I've got that YouTube video in the show notes again, if you want. Okay, so after Chelsea's monologue on The Daily Show, this highly offended (laughs) Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro over on Tucker Carlson's show, and they just went off on it, calling her a narcissist. And they just like could not grasp the fact that a woman could choose to not have a child and also not be, you know, considered selfish or like a druggie or all these other names that they called her and accused her of and just accused her of like, oh, she's choosing just to stay high and stay drunk and all all the time rather than having, I mean, it was just, it was really vile. I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't need to needlessly boil your blood. Again, however, if you do want to watch the exchange between Tucker Carlson and Ben Shapiro, then I encourage you to watch it on the YouTube link that I sent you so that you're not driving them any more traffic and you're just watching it on the um, Child Free Millennial YouTube channel. Because she she like shows like the, what do you call it? Like a screen and a screen and then she pauses it for her reactions. 
Anyways, what I want to talk about is just there's there's so many other things going on that Tucker Carlson is just not even aware of. Like he's so he's so like wrapped up in his maleness and his whiteness and his like all these other things that he doesn't even realize even the people potential people who might be watching his show. I don't think I mean his show a lot of people watch it, okay? It's like the most watched show on Fox News. I don't know the exact numbers. You can Google them if you're really interested. But I do know that it's a very, very popular show and a lot of people watch it. And if people don't watch it, they hear about it, right? Because like you're hearing about it because I'm telling you about it. I heard about it. I don't watch Tucker Carlson, but I heard about it through social media and my husband watches The Daily Show. And so he heard about it through listening to Chelsea Handler's reaction, all that kind of stuff. So even if you don't watch it, his show has far greater reach than whatever the Nielsen ratings would be, because again, it just makes the news of whatever he says, you know, for some things. And I think this is my opinion, so I don't have any basis for this, but I think even the average conservative woman or even moderate woman watching this or hearing about this exchange might feel uncomfortable with this episode or with what he was saying about her. Even again, if they tend to go more, sway more conservative or more moderate, even if they're not like a Chelsea Handler fan. And to be fair, like, I don't really care for stand up. I know who she is. I think she's funny. I don't like, I didn't watch her Netflix special. Like, I'm just not into it. So it's not like I'm fangirling over here over Chelsea Handler. I'm simply just sharing my observations of what I think this means, of what's happening in society, both on a macro that I'll talk about the micro level again. But I just think that, that, that Tucker Carlson represents a lot of men who are so self-absorbed with their worldview, and only that is what is true, that there might be people who might align with some of what he says or believes, but then also feel really isolated because maybe they weren't really sure if they wanted to be a mom, but they were not in a community or family where there was really that option to not be a mom. And now they've got these kids, which, you know, they would say they love, but also they get no support. And so they can kind of see why someone might not want to have kids or might not want to have kids alone or or whatever. And so I don't even think he can comprehend that. It's just like, oh, a woman doesn't have kids, something's wrong with her. Like she needs to like get checked into the mental hospital or something. Also, a lot of people, um, and I know this to be true, just again, anecdotally, I know a lot of people get involved with like the child-free lifestyle. That's like a, like a, I don't know, label people call themselves. I know there's like Facebook groups and social groups and meetup groups for people of like different, the different generations, like child-free millennial, child-free Gen Xers or whatever, because it is hard to be friends with people who have kids or or be friends with people who don't have kids. And not that it's not possible. Some of my closest friends don't have kids. But, you know, time can be limited and it can be hard. And so there's there's a lot of community around, you know, child-free choice, child-free lifestyle, whatever you want to call it. But some people might be in these groups or even call themselves like a child-free millennial, a child-free Gen Xer, but it may not have been by choice. Right. Like, I think I read some number that one in six people can face infertility, um, regardless of age of when they start having babies. I don't know if that number is exactly correct, but I do know that a lot of people do face infertility. And so they might not say, oh, I couldn't have kids, or it's really expensive for me to have kids, or I wanted a kid, but not bad enough to like do IVF and go through all the costs, emotional costs, not to mention financial costs associated with that. And so, 
There's a lot of reasons, even though people might say it's by choice, it might not be by choice because there's embarrassment or shame behind it, um, or just some other unresolved feelings around it. And so I think that that kind of message just totally, again, one, I mean, it's just like a rude and offensive, and that's like using light language around that. Um, but also, again, it just shows like how they are just so into their worldview, again, which is of like male maleness and male dominance and whiteness that they just cannot seem to see any other way around them. And so I think what this exchange shows, and obviously this is a macro level, and I think this has been true with what some of my clients have experienced on a micro level, is that there is a big discomfort with women choosing to do something that is not in the prescribed norms according to certainly patriarchy, but also most likely uh, as well, white supremacy. And so, you know, Tucker Carlson is so offended by friggin' Chelsea Handler for not wanting kids. And I do believe that, that again, I don't follow, I don't follow Chelsea Handler closely, so I don't know her, not that I personally know her, but I don't know her that well either, like in terms of following her. But I, I'm pretty sure if she couldn't have kids, she would say that. I think she didn't want kids because she just wanted to do different things with her life and her time and her money, which I 100% respect. But in her little Instagram clapback, she says, and I'm paraphrasing, this is not the exact quote. She says, are you upset by my freedom? Or are you upset because you haven't been able to take away my freedom? And I think this really gets into what is going on, right? Like, society is changing. 2020 was a big year with you know, certainly with Black Lives Matter, there was a lot of civil unrest, social unrest, all that kind of stuff. I mean, it was happening before 2020. You know, you've got like, you've got to look at, oh, shoot, Charlottesville, Virginia, you know, with the white supremacist rally. So things have been happening for quite some time here, at least in the United States. And I think there is, you know, a chuckle effect that happens in the rest of the world. And so what is happening, I believe, is that you know, we're just going through like another big social change, another big social shift. And for a long time, the social structures really helped out some of the powers at B, mostly, you know, old white men or just white men in general. And things are changing. Now, are they changing as fast as they need to, in my opinion? No. Is it doomsday for people who are you know, white men, no. But the old norms, like just being able to just, you know, men will be men or whatever. And like, you know, have locker room talk in the office and like hit on your secretaries, like that world is over. Right. And a lot of, you know, older white men just get really offended that they can't make jokes the way they used to. And it's like, well, God forbid, I wonder why, you know, and and so what I'm getting at is as infuriating, as it is to listen to Tucker Carlson and people of that camp saying things like that. I also, there's a, I won't lie, a part of it makes me really happy because what is underneath those kinds of accusations towards Chelsea Handler is fear. Fear that their safe space or safe spot in society is ending. And to be fair, like, at least in their lifetime, like, they're not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to be rich, and they're going to be fine. (laughs) You you know, 
but it's just still this fear of change, this fear of other people having a voice, other norms being okay, and you know, not being seen as deviant or or wrong. Like it is highly, highly uncomfortable. And that is where those kinds of really cruel remarks are coming from. And so if they didn't see this new social order coming about, they wouldn't say this shit because there'd be no reason to, because they wouldn't feel threatened. They wouldn't feel afraid of losing what they know. And so what this means for you is that when you go on a date and you share something around like, whether or not you want to have kids, if you make more money than the person that you're on a date with, if you have a boundary, if you have a big feeling, if you're holding them accountable for their actions, like this is huge with my clients where, you know, this is really what gaslighting is and emotional manipulation where, you know, you're dating someone, they have bad behavior, you say, hey, this actually hurt my feelings. They're like, oh, well, you're just being sensitive or like, oh, you're just being this or just throwing it back onto you as if you did something wrong. A lot of that behavior comes from like a fear of things, things are changing. And I truly believe that like, God, what is that saying? I don't remember at the top of my head right now. But like, you know, it it frees everybody, right? It doesn't just free women or people of color or, you know, other minorities, like, a lot of the patriarchy and white supremacy has also shackled men as well, including white men, because white men might want different things than 2.5 kids and a dog and a white picket fence, you know, but they can't have those things either without being called, you know, gay or druggy or whatever, right? And so it really frees everybody. And I think a lot of this behavior, as infuriating as it is to be on the receiving end of it, again, whether you're talking about like some asshole, you know, uh, host of a show, or some asshole that you're on a date with, yes, be infuriated. I'm not telling you to not be mad. But also, there is a part of me that is, I don't want to say like happy, but like, it's a good sign that people are feeling threatened, because it means things really are changing. And I think that's, again, like I said, better for everybody. One of the first episodes I did when I'm talking when I talk about like a current event kind of thing was back in January, we'll put that link in the show notes where I talk about how there are more single men, more single men are lonely, uh, because a lot more women are like not willing to put up with the shit, you know, and so that might be a good episode for you to listen to if you want to dive a little bit deeper into this, this topic. So the only like, I don't really have like advice or necessarily a takeaway from this part of the the episode, the first part of the episode obviously was like, do what you want. It's fine. <laughs> and your relationship, make it work for you. Don't worry about what other people say, even experts and how it looks. But for this part, you know, I don't really have like a specific takeaway for you. Other than if you have been on the receiving end of this, or if what Tucker Carlson said was deeply offensive to you in your specific situation, or if people have said things like that to you, like who are in your life, all I can say is I'm deeply sorry. It sucks. I do think things are changing for the better. There is more space for both women and men and whoever else just not wanting to have kids and people like, yeah, I kind of get it. We're good for you for making your choice. Like I, I do think that is happening. How fast? I don't know. Um, certainly 2020 was a catalyzing year. So things happen faster. But most of the time, things don't happen that fast. You know, 
from an astrological point of view, uh, Pluto just went into Aquarius. I'm not an astrologer, but channeling my friend Veronica Pretty, what she would say is, uh, you know, Aquarius is the sign of the group of the revolution. The last time Pluto was in Aquarius was during the American Revolution. So, and also Pluto is the planet of death and destruction, but also for the purpose of rebuilding. So it's not just like we're plowing over here and just like, you know, tearing all the shit down and we're leaving. It's so that we can rebuild something else. And so from an astrological point of view, is that what we're experiencing or seeing? I don't know, but it certainly seems to align. So I guess if there was a takeaway and you have, again, experienced this or you see this on the internet and it hurts you, again, I'm so sorry. You have every right to feel whatever you feel when you experience this and as much as you can, get that shit out, right? Turn the TV off, swipe to the next video, get up and leave from that date, break up with that person, Things are changing. Men are going to therapy more and doing their own work and taking their own emotional accountability. It is happening. It's not going to happen overnight, but things are, society's changing for the better where there is space for women to have preferences and emotions and boundaries and not just automatically be labeled a bitch or crazy or, you know, whatever other terms have been used to quote unquote, keep women in their place. Okay. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I will see you next week um, for another coaching episode. And again, if you are interested in working with me before maternity leave, time is getting of the essence um, so that we can at least get a couple, if not three sessions in before our before my baby comes. And then again, we'll pause, pause payments included, let yourself recoup, try things out, see how it plays out. And then we'll reconvene in the fall, probably late August, early September, or we can extend the payment plan so it's much more affordable per month. So again, veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching is the place to go for that. And as many of you probably know, listening to this this podcast over the last couple of months, I've been talking a lot about this new part of my business, which is all about money coaching and financial consulting. So if you want to learn more about that with me and get daily bite-sized money lessons, then follow me on Instagram if you're not already. I'm Veronica E. Grant, and there I'm answering questions, got daily lessons for you, and it's all free. And we'll put that link in the show notes as well. All right, my dears, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details